Hello, and welcome to the Methods of Rationality podcast. The Metropolitan Man by Alexander Wales, read by Eniash Brodsky. Part 2 of Chapter 11, Actions and Consequences. Why'd you do it? Asked Lois the moment she stepped onto the roof. Of course, Superman could hear her coming, and she could have asked the question at any point during the walk up. No doubt, if Superman was coming to speak with her, he'd been watching and listening to her from the moment he had laid the letter on her desk. And probably, from the moment Calhoun's body slumped to the ground. Superman didn't respond to her immediately. He stood at the very edge of the roof, and his cape twirled and billowed in the wind behind him. She wondered whether he had planned it that way, to look more impressive. He had a flair for the dramatic, and an eye for looking impressive. I was angry. Lois watched him. He kept his back to her, so that all she could do was listen to his voice. You've been angry before. The image of Superman standing in a room with the men who had taken the Whitman children, waiting for the police to arrive, was so real to her that she could almost believe she had been there. What made this time different? I've been thinking too much. I've been angry too often. He was saying all those hateful things. I just... It wasn't that I snapped, really. I didn't lose control. If I'd actually punched him as hard as I could have, Metropolis would be a smoking crater. I was standing there, hating him, and thinking about how much better the world would be if he were dead. Not by my hand, necessarily. But if he'd had a stroke right on the steps of the courthouse, the world would instantly have been a better place. And to be honest, I was thinking about how satisfying it would be to kill him. Superman kept staring out over the city. Lois waited him out. I can slow down time. Not that, exactly, but my perception of time can change when I need it to. I wouldn't be able to catch bullets otherwise. Moving fast isn't enough. You have to think fast and see fast in order to really make use of the power. When I really push it, the world dims down, and sounds are happening so slowly that it's nothing more than a persistent drone. I can live out a day in the pause between words when someone is talking. The world goes so black I can't even see my nose in front of me. First the sounds become too long and stretched out to make sense of, and then they stop altogether. I must have spent three days thinking about Calhoun while we stood there. Truth, justice, and the American way. Those were his last words. I meditated on them. The state of New York executed 17 men last year, and I had a hand in catching 11 of them. I had vowed not to kill, you understand? The first one was William Vogel, who was convicted of murder. I watched him spasm in the electric chair, and I felt like a coward. I could have killed him faster and more humanely. When I killed Calhoun, he probably didn't even have enough time to register that I was moving before his brain was a thick paste. I once believed in redemption. I believed in the justice of the legal system, and when it failed, as it often did, I would tell myself that it wasn't my place to rush in headlong. I didn't want to be a shepherd of sheep. I wanted humanity to stand on its own two feet 
But when law and morality contradicted each other, as they often did, I was left with the cruel alternative of losing just a bit of my moral character, or losing just a bit of my respect for the law. It's like you said, if I had come to America when slaves were being sold on those very docks, would I have respected the law then? I didn't mean... No. I know. I read the article you just finished writing. I deserve worse than what you said. I'm just trying to explain. To explain how I got to where I am now. I used to think that good was something that was defined by actions. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't murder. I thought that if you worked at it hard enough, you could make up a set of rules to follow, and that would make you a good person. I think that's what my father thought. But eventually, I moved away from thinking like he did, and tried to live my life by his values instead. Maybe it was okay to lie, if it was for the greater good. Maybe it was okay to break the law, if breaking the law resulted in the greatest good for the greatest number of people. The change was so slow, I barely even noticed it and I don't think I was fully aware that I was thinking any differently until a few days ago. But it didn't really matter, because for the most part, I was living my life the same way, even if I no longer believed in an absolute prohibition against killing. And how could I, when I was sending men to their death at the hands of the state? I still wouldn't kill because of what it would say to people. I wanted to be a symbol for them. But, as I was sitting in the pitch black of slowed down time, I kept thinking about truth and justice. I'd ensured that Calhoun would have a fair trial, because I'd promised him he would. What would it say, though, to have him walk free? Not just from that trial, but from the botched trial in December. He couldn't simply be immune to consequences. He had to pay for his crimes. That was justice. I kept weighing these things until I came to my decision and it was only when my fist was halfway through his skull that I realized my emotions had their thumb on the scale. What now? Asked Lois after a long stretch of silence. I need to take time off. He turned to face her. I know you'll think I'm a monster for it. I don't- Lois, I know you better than you think I do. I'm going to take some time off from listening to the vast suffering that I can only make a small dent in. I'll take time for myself and think on what I really want to be. I fully expect that you'll hate me for it, but I can't rush things and make mistakes, not when I have the power to level mountains. Lois stared at him, then nodded. I won't hate you for it, but I can't claim that I understand. If you think that taking some time off from being Superman is what's best... I'll be here for you when you come back. We all will. Superman stepped forward and kissed her on the cheek. He was off in the air before she could formulate a response to that. He'd said he knew her better than she thought, but she didn't know what the hell that was supposed to mean. He didn't want to be a shepherd to the sheep. There was something about that phrase that bothered her. It sounded familiar. She'd retained enough knowledge of the Bible to recognize it as an illusion. It was another way in which Superman showed a solid grasp of the culture he'd married himself to. Not just idiomatically correct English, far beyond what any foreigner learned, but cultural allegory. Certainly, Superman had been compared to Christ on enough occasions for him to recognize it. 
but there was something else that made it stick out. It was like something Clark would say. She was halfway down the utilitarian stairwell that led down into the building proper when it struck her. It wasn't just the turn of phrase, it was the entire conversation. Clark's father was a pacifist. She remembered him saying that over drinks one time. In fact, save for the fact that Superman hadn't once brought up religion, all those words could have come from Clark's mouth instead. A long, slow turn from faith in the goodness of humanity. That was the story of Clark's time in Metropolis. She remarked on the physical similarities a few times. It was almost always a joke at Clark's expense. Hey Clark, you spend some time on athletics and you might rival Superman. But you couldn't look at Clark and actually think that he was much more than an oaf. He had hidden depths, but those depths weren't nearly so deep that he could actually be... that he could have... Lois sat down in the stairwell and put her hands on her knees. She was trembling slightly. Some time off from being Superman, she'd said. They had the same eye color, the same hair color, and close to the same height. They had a similar infatuation with her, and Superman treated her as familiar because... because she was familiar to him. They'd sat side by side for months before Superman had shown up. They'd talked about almost everything under the sun while putting together their stories, and they'd certainly read almost everything the other had written. She needed to make notes, but Superman could watch her. Even now, sitting in the stairwell, he was probably watching her and wondering what she was thinking. Some distant part of her brain was telling her to think up a cover, so she ran her hands through her hair and muttered, He really did deserve it. Calhoun would provide a cover while she tried to work through every conversation she'd ever had with Clark Kent. She remembered Clark flinching when she'd said something. Something about Superman not being totally emotionless when he came across a scene of brutal violence. Clark hadn't been flinching because he was a naive Midwestern farm boy. He'd been flinching because he'd been remembering. He was unreliable because he had other obligations. He wasn't lucky. He was able to see through walls and listen in on conversations that happened on the other side of the city. He used a lot of unnamed sources. He covered Superman's trials. The span of the deception that it would have required was breathtaking, shocking enough that Lois had to remind herself to breathe. But it was true. Clark Kent was Superman. A thousand small details came sliding into context, and a hundred questions followed in their wake. Lois clenched her hands into tight fists. She could feel tears in her eyes. The biggest argument against the theory was that she was smarter than that, damn it! And if you refused to believe something because it would mean that you were the biggest idiot in the world, well, that alone said something about how smart you really were. She'd been played. Clark Kent had lied to her face for a year and a half, over and over. And Superman had done the same. Calhoun deserved it. Some small part of Lois remembered to say. Superman was watching, always watching. And if he really was Clark, if she hadn't simply gone insane... 
A few weeks after Clark Kent had first shown up in Metropolis, Lois had taken a rare break from 12-hour days and gone out drinking. She'd met a sailor at one of the dockside bars and taken him back to her place to do a few things that good Catholic women weren't supposed to do outside of marriage. In the morning, she'd shoved him out the door and gone into work. It would have been very hard to miss the fact that Clark was in a bad mood and that this bad mood was directed towards her. She'd thought perhaps he'd seen her in the club while she was hanging off the sailor's arm and had simply pretended that she couldn't tell what was bothering Clark. Now she had to wonder whether Clark was watching her the entire time or listening to that particular night of passion. She'd imagined Superman's eyes on her frequently and it was never a pleasant thought. But if it was Clark watching her undress, watching her with other men, she could feel tears streaming down her face. There remained the question of why he would do it. Why, if he had the power to fly through the air and crush coal into diamonds, he would ever want to spend a single solitary second as Clark Kent? The answer had to be that he was a monster. She flitted through her memories of Clark Kent the reporter and found one of him hunched over the paperwork for his taxes. People had been dying, and he'd been filing his fucking taxes! He'd sat in on boring meetings about style standards while people literally burned to death. And he'd lied to her, over and over, every single day that they'd worked together. He'd cheated his way to the top without any remorse. A cold fury ran through her veins. She stood up, wiped away her tears, and looked at herself in her compact to assess the damage. Her hair still had blood in it, and that did nothing for the effect. Lois did her best to fix what she could, then smoothed out her skirt, took a deep breath, and walked out into the newsroom. Clark Kent was standing there, speaking with Perry. If she'd been less angry, she might have run across the room to start beating him with her fists, but she was far beyond that now. Instead, she gave him a weak smile and sat down at her desk. There was no hiding that she'd been crying, but she could keep up a front for now. Are you okay? Asked Clark as he sat down at his desk. Fine. There's been a lot going on around here while you were away. How was Smallville? Small. I'd forgotten how small. My mother will be missed. Listen, are you okay? I heard what happened, and I know you were in the thick of it. No, I'm not okay. Are you back to work now? Because I think I need to lay down for a while. Sure. Clark gave her a gentle smile that made her want to stab him through the throat. He was Clark the Deceiver, with a sympathetic smile like he hadn't been the one to ruin her blouse with Calhoun's blood. Later, when she was safely at home, she took a shower and tried to keep from imagining Clark staring at her with an infatuation that had once been merely annoying. Clark Kent and Superman were both lies, and put together, they were an abomination of a person that pretended at humanity. Lois could almost understand the anger that Calhoun must have felt, and the desire to hurt the creature's feelings in lieu of being able to damage his physical form. Lois wouldn't be so stupid as to give in to that temptation. Instead, she would have to persuade Lex that something needed to be done. 
Lex sat in his study, trying to keep himself as current as possible with the newest developments in atomic research. His cover story for working with kryptonite was that he was doing experimental work on a potential weapon, and the best way to ensure that a deception was believable was to make it real. Atomic weapons were certainly coming, and a worrying prospect in their own right, depending on how much power they would prove capable of harnessing, and how easy it would be to refine the necessary materials. Lex had been quietly buying up uranium mines for a few years now, but if the technology developed, he had no doubt that he would end up having to lock horns with the various governments that might lay claim to them. Lois Lane to see you, sir, said Mercy. Wonderful, said Lex. Send her in, if you please. The study had been cleaned of anything remotely incriminating before he left for Hub City, and the atomic research was nothing that Lois would be able to make sense of. It looks like we may have to cancel the book, said Lex as Lois walked in. There was an actual book with actual chapters, but it mostly served as a plausible cover for passing notes to each other. Lex's supposed role in the authoring of the book had grown as the months dragged on, and now he was a full co-author. Half the time when they spoke of the book out loud, it was in code. In this case, cancel the book had an equivalent meaning to stop our covert attempts to manipulate Superman's mental states. Or at least write a new chapter, said Lois with a nod. Did you read the paper this morning? You spoke with Superman following his unfortunate decision, and he'll be leaving us for a while. Lex wasn't sure how much he believed it. Superman was a meddler by nature. Yes. Lois pulled a notebook from her purse and began writing on it. The book was always intended as a living book, but of course we won't be able to release it with things as they are now. We don't want it to be obsolete the moment it hits shelves. I do have some thoughts for what will need to change in light of this new information, though. She turned the notebook towards him. Is there still no way to stop him? He watched her carefully. He had not, as yet, given her any rope to hang him with. So far as she knew, she was the one in the lead, and Lex had only used his immense resources in ways that conformed to the moral standards of society. The science of Superman hasn't changed one bit. Those chapters will need the smallest amount of work, I should think. Public reaction will need to be rewritten entirely. He made the hand signal for no in order to underscore his point, then the hand signal for why. True. Lois began to write again. I'd still like your help, if you have the time. Even if Superman stumbles from time to time, we can still use him as an example to live our lives by. Do you agree? She turned the pad towards him again, not missing a beat. Superman has a secret identity that I am in close contact with. I need your help in figuring out a way to stop him before he kills again. Lex very nearly froze. It wasn't what he had been expecting. He had long thought that Superman or Clark Kent would eventually reveal the truth to her, perhaps after she had taken the courtship with Superman far enough. Lex had almost told her himself in order to prepare her, but it would have opened up too many questions about how much he had known and for how long. Certainly, though I'm not entirely sure that it's within my area of expertise. He gave the hand signal for, tell me more. It was still too early to take any concrete actions, especially when events were in flux. But he was already planning how he'd use Lois to slip Superman the kryptonite.
End chapter 11. Thank you to the following people. Lois Lane by Anonymous. Superman and Clark Kent by Nathan Bowman. Kate Baker reading Mercy Graves. This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for part two of chapter 12. <laughs>